it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Steve Kelly along with Lauren Tate at Memorial Stadium here at uh, Memorial Stadium as we get set for college football this afternoon, Northwestern against the uh, Fighting Illini here, the last regular season game of the season. Phone line is open, 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, give us a call. We've got an open line going for you through the first half hour of the show, then uh, intermittently the rest of the way. Lauren Tate with me as well. How you doing, Mr. Tate? Doing well. Let's, uh, let's have a little rain here and play a little football. A little rain and wind in the forecast here today in central Illinois. It's not going to be cold, so that's good, I guess. But we'll see how it plays out. This game, uh, as I mentioned, the last game of the regular season, not normally well attended being on Thanksgiving Day weekend. And hopefully it's different with the Illini uh, here for the last time before going uh, to a bowl game. Well, I got the closest parking place I ever got <laughs> in the, for this game. I had the shortest walk. But, you know, uh, Illinois played really well in the rain against Purdue, had a 24 nothing lead, won the game 24-6. to And um, the running game last week, even, even, though they, uh, even though they lost at Iowa, they had 192 yards rushing which is an indication that they can run the ball because Iowa's got a good defense. And by the way, uh, Northwestern's defense isn't the worst. They're 36th in the country. This is a team that's 0-8, but they've played some close games. They were 24-22 against Purdue. They only lost by two points, and they also got 22 points last week against Minnesota. So this is a team that, look, Illinois is a favorite, but it isn't like they're just a runaway favorite. I haven't looked the last couple of days with Thanksgiving and all. I didn't look yesterday, but the last I saw, they were an eight-point. Illinois was an eight-point favorite, and that's not exactly a route. No, it's eight and a half at the moment. But okay. uh, uh, I think the quarterbacks now it's seven and a half. Okay. Today. Well, it's been coming down yeah. with the, with the thought that uh, probably Peters isn't going to play today, and we don't know that for certain. But everybody's hinting that, and uh, they're just trying to keep it a secret so Northwestern won't know. But I think Northwestern's probably planned all along, and I think the gamblers have already gone on the side that he's not going to play. Well, you got to prepare for anything that might happen, and that's what Northwestern is doing. They're preparing as if he will play, but they also had enough uh, time to see a little bit of Matt Robinson, so they've got an idea of what he might bring to the table. Yeah, and by the way, both teams have had their problems uh, at quarterback in terms of injuries. Uh, the very first game of the year, Northwestern lost their starter, uh, they had a. They've had actually four quarterbacks that have, have played one time or another. T.J. Green was supposed to start this season. He's a redshirt senior, and he's out for the year in the opener against Stanford. And then they went from there, and they've had Aiden Smith, and they've had uh, Hunter Johnson. And I think Johnson's probably available to be back today because he he threw two passes last week, which indicates that he's. I mean, do you, do you know anything lately about him? I mean, I they're they're keeping their secrets on quarterback, and we're keeping ours. Well, and they played a guy last week named Andrew Marty, 
who uh, on the season is actually last week he was eight for twelve. You're right. Uh, for ninety five yards, he scored two touchdowns on the ground though. Yeah, two one interception. And but uh, this is a game that Minnesota won pretty easily, thirty eight twenty two. And I would assume, like you, that Marty will be the quarterback today for Northwestern. But I will tell you that. Hunter Johnson, who was kind of scheduled to be their starter at one point along the line after, well, he was sharing time with Aiden Smith in the beginning. He, I think he's available today. I think he would be, but I don't know that for sure. Phone lines are open if you'd like to join us. 356-9397 is the number. Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk coming up at 830. We'll talk football, maybe some baseball conversation as well with Will Leach. Somewhere along the way before 930, we'll talk Illinois basketball with assistant coach Stephen Gentry. The Illini are off this weekend before a big game Monday at the State Farm Center against Miami in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We've got uh, some Big Ten action last night. We'll get you up to date on the scores coming up. That Monday game, by the way, is at 6 o'clock. Miami comes into that game, uh, Lauren, at 4-3 and three on the season. Yeah, they've shown some weaknesses this year, and, and Illinois will be favored in that game. And this is the first of many games against teams starting with them. And, uh, you know, whether it's Maryland or Michigan or and, and now, of course, Miami in this particular one. And, and Missouri will be coming along later. So uh, the Illini have got to handle the M's the rest of this uh, month. And, I mean, starting in the month of December and running through December. Speaking of Michigan, an 82-64 to 64 win over number 8 Gonzaga yesterday. The Wolverines all of a sudden are 7-0 and 0 in the season. Well, they've won some really good games. They'll be in the top 25. Oh, man, will they ever. They'll be way up in the top 25. I mean, you got to put them over Gonzaga. you got to put them over North Carolina. you gotta, you got to move them way up. I mean, it's a shocker. That's the biggest surprise in the Big Ten so far. I've been selling you all along that the Big Ten is down this year, but I'm starting to have questions because some, some of those scores are a little different than I anticipated. Some of the scores, Ohio State ranked number 10, yet to uh, leave Columbus for a game. They're 7-0. and They beat Morgan State 90-57. to They do hit the road coming up next week with a road game at uh, Chapel Hill against uh, North Carolina in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. But the Buckeyes are... 7 and 0. Rutgers beat UMass 82-57. Rutgers is 6 and 1. Minnesota lost at home to DePaul. All of a sudden DePaul is 8 and 0. Really playing well. Really playing well. They got started uh, early with a big win over uh, Iowa and they just been rolling ever since. Purdue got a good win uh, beating Virginia Commonwealth who had been previously undefeated and ranked uh, 20th in the uh, country. That final was 59-57. And Purdue is 4-2 and two on the season. We mentioned the Michigan score. Iowa lost to San Diego State, 83-73. The Hawkeyes are 5-2 and two on the season. Penn State beat Syracuse, 85-64. Boy, Penn Syracuse State is really playing poorly this year. They are, and Penn State is 6-1. and one. Maryland remained undefeated with a 7-0. Rather, uh, they're 7-0. and oh. The win was an 80-73 win over Harvard. Maryland is ranked number five in the country. By the way, the rankings don't mean a thing, do they? They don't. Not, I this, mean, early. not this early in the year. Too many things are, there's too many position changes and people transferring and people coming in and good freshmen and, and freshmen that aren't living up to expectations. And uh, it's just, uh, Khalil Whitney played for Kentucky yesterday. He went 0 for 5. He's having a terrible start. And this is a guy that uh, Illinois really wanted badly. And, and he's formerly from Chicago, although he didn't finish in Chicago. But uh, you just can't tell. I mean, this this time of year is just too inconsistent. Football, yeah, there was one game yesterday in the Big Ten. Nebraska needed a win to uh, 
get to uh, six and six and become bowl eligible. They played a great second half, I thought, after trailing 24 to 10 at halftime, but they lost it on a kick in the final seconds to Iowa 27-24. If there are any 5-7 teams taken yeah. for a bowl game, is Nebraska at the top of that list? I would say, but I, if, I, don't, if, th if. I don't think you're going to need a 5-7 team this year. I, okay. think, I think there's enough. I don't, I'm not sure, but that's a whole other conversation. I'm not so sure I agree with six and six teams going to bowl <laughs> games, but they didn't ask me, and there are too many games. That's well, the reason why you get that. There are a lot of games that, you know, Illinois needs those 15 practices. That'll give them a chance to see what Isaiah Williams can do and, and, and work those freshmen into the lineup and, and, and see how they can get them, get them prepared for spring practice. And it makes a big difference. And I think it makes a difference in recruiting, too. I just think there's an advantage to, to say you're going to a bowl game. If you can get a seventh win and with a chance to get an eighth win in a bowl game, that's a, that's a great opportunity for Illinois to help down the line. Now, not so much what it means to win a bowl game, but, but what it means to uh, just to attract more and better players down the line. This is rivalry week across the uh, Big Ten and across the country. Some major rivalry games. Of course, this game is played for the Land of Lincoln Trophy. We'll talk more about that coming up. The Old Oaken Bucket is on the line as Indiana takes on Purdue. And Paul Bunyan's axe is to be played for up in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Wisconsin, Wisconsin on the road, just about a two-and-a-half-point favorite to win at Minnesota. That'll be a good game. And, of that'll course, be a, that'll be a tough one. the big one, there's no trophy attached to it. They just call it the game. That's <laughs> Ohio State at Michigan. That game starting at the same time, our game here in Champaign at 11 o'clock. Yeah, I, I just, Michigan has shown enough lately to make you think that they can make this a game. And if they can keep it close late, uh, maybe they get lucky. Ohio State's a touchdown favorite in that game. Yeah. Buckeyes uh, ranked number one in the uh, college football playoff poll now. So are you surprised by that, uh, them uh, jumping uh, LSU? Well, I don't think it makes any difference. But it does make a difference in the sense that one plays four and two right. plays three. But I don't know, Steve. I mean, I think both those teams are just outstanding. And, and I think that uh, there's there's such a an overload of talent on those two teams, far more than anybody else in the country, with the possible exception of Clemson. And Clemson's a mystery team uh, because they don't play anybody in the top 25. And, and uh, you know, they, they're just rolling through the ACC I, I don't uh, – I, I, LSU and, and Ohio State is just a toss-up for me, and, I, and, and I'm not surprised either way. I, I probably would – I don't know who I'd pick. And they're both the number one to me. Yeah. That uh, Nebraska-Iowa game, another trophy game, they played for the Heroes Trophy, and uh, Iowa has been the hero in that series five straight times now. This is the Land of Lincoln Trophy. The, my question to you is, oh, great sage – is it a rivalry? It is for Northwestern. That's what the, the second part of my question. Is it a rivalry if one fan base maybe doesn't consider it a rivalry? You know, when you talk about rivalries, it, 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 just think about Iowa for a minute. Who is Iowa's rival? Nebraska it, is one. Is one. And Illinois is one. Right. And there's Minnesota is one. Sure. So you got Nebraska, Minnesota, Illinois. I mean, they've got multiple rivalries. They really do. And... By the same token, Illinois lately, for for a half a century at least, the the real rivalry for Illinois was Michigan, with Ohio State right there. Those were the two rivals, and those were the two teams that Illinois could compete with 
consistently over time, and it's no longer the case. Boy, it's raining pretty good here at Memorial State. Not, not to uh, get you to change your mind to come to the game, but it is wet out there right now. But you mentioned those two, but look at it the other way. Did Michigan and Ohio State look at Illinois as a rival? Once upon a time they did, through the, through the Red Grange era and up through the Ray Elliott. When Pete and, and Bump were playing against each other, right. the two Elliots, and mm -hmm. they were the coaches of those teams, I think they both considered them. But I think you're right that it, it drifted away under Schimbeckler. Schimbeckler just dominated Illinois so much that it became not a rivalry for Michigan, just an afterthought. Now, the other thing was, Illinois used to beat Ohio State kind of regularly uh, during a period when which Ohio State, I don't think anybody in Columbus knew it was happening. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, oh, that, sure, back in the, the 80s and the early 90s, yes. Yeah, that, that streak of games that Illinois played against Ohio State was unbelievable. as a big rivalry for Illinois, but I don't know if, if Ohio State felt it. No, they've got one rival, Ohio yeah, State. And, it, and it's the biggest one. They've got some junior rivals, if you will, <laughs> in uh, Michigan State and Penn State and some of those teams, but... Uh, Phone lines are open, 356-9397. Let's go to the phones here before we take our first break. And uh, Steve in Whiteheath is with us. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I got a question. Does the Big Ten Conference, like if Peters doesn't play today because of uh, concussion protocol, do they review the play when he got hit as far as targeting and keep that behind closed doors, or is that just a play that goes unnoticed? What do you think, Steve? Do you think that went unnoticed? I don't think it I went unnoticed know. because they reviewed it. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, you think the Big Ten, they didn't send back any apology or anything well, like I that. I don't know about that. Well, I, I don't I know that we would know about that. But Well, usually usually that sort of thing gets out when they make if they made a public apology, right. but they, they didn't. I think they reviewed it. They decided it wasn't, a, you know, a, a, an improper hit, and they went on from there. But to me, watching the game, it was an obvious targeting, but I thought maybe – when they review the game with the officials on the game and stuff, they say, hey, we missed one, but they don't make it public. Well, I think that I think that they must have decided that the official review was correct because normally if there's a really blatant call, we hear about it during the course of the week. We've known, we, Illinois has had apologies in the past. Now, is, it, you know, is that now this, are they doing that now? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything like that, although I hear we from time to time around the, uh, around the country, we hear conferences make apologies on plays. We hear about it, but I haven't heard anything on this one. Because to the average fan, that was an obvious targeting, and look what yep. Mike was starting quarterback today. So you take out one player and you hurt a team as well as the individual. So. Yeah, of course, it wouldn't make any difference as far as this game's concerned. He either can play or he can't. And if they got an apology, I, I never knew what an apology uh, gained you. <laughs> Maybe you could say, I told you so, but it doesn't help in the game, you know, in, in the upcoming game. I'll see you at the game today. All right. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the call. 8.15. Let's take our first time out on Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. We'll be back with more. Stay with us. Join us later today on this Saturday following Saturday Sports Talk at 9.30 Illini Game Day with Scott Beatty from Grange Grove. Illinois hosts Northwestern at 11. Welcome back to Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you at Memorial Stadium where it's raining pretty steadily right now. It's supposed to be uh, rain in the forecast most of the day today. We'll see how that might affect uh, this ball game. As Lauren mentioned earlier, the Illini played a Pretty decent game in the rain. Uh, 
in October in uh, or was that November, early November in uh, in West Lafayette. Yeah, and this is the battle of the backup quarterbacks. We think so. That's going to be a big factor in in how this game pro- progresses. I think both teams are going to set their defenses to stop the run because it is a wet day, and it'll be up to these quarterbacks to make some plays, make some passes. Last home game is always senior day wherever you are around the country, and that's the case today. 17 players will be suiting up for what we presume will be the last time. Yeah, not sure about Dre Brown. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, that's going to be a kind of a toss. It's his, his, his decision. Obviously, uh, Lovey wants him back, and Dre would probably like to play, but there are other considerations, and he has graduated, and he is married, and there is a possibility. I mean, I'm not sure – what that possibility is, but there's a possibility he could be drafted and and maybe take a shot on on a pro team next year. If he comes back, he would be the number one tailback, in my view, and would be the main ball carrier for the Illini. But he has had injuries. There are so many factors in this that go into this, and obviously Illinois would love to have him back, but this is a decision he's got to make. And he said he would make it uh, after the season's over, which sure. whatever the appropriate time is. It would be into the new year, I would guess. But uh, a lot of things to consider. He might be ready to join the, the working uh, force, yeah. kind of like Martin O'Donnell. Martin O'Donnell was a first-team All-American, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and he didn't even consider NFL. Yeah, he, he, he made a decision to, to go into business, and he's doing really well. The seniors, there's 17 you mentioned. There's about 10 of them who have really played a key role. And I want to tell you that while we have discussed the junior class because it's so much bigger and more talented than the senior class, the seniors have come through unbelievably. And uh, you, you take a guy like, uh, I'm just going to go down a quick list here. Stanley Green has had a tremendous, he's cha- helped change the Illini team since he moved in at safety after the first couple of games when he was out. DeLay Harding has got 133 tackles, Steve. He's leading the nation, not the Big Ten. He's leading everybody. Then you've got a, you've got a guy like, um, I think Milan has, has had a terrific season in the defensive line. And you've got three seniors in that defensive line that are Kenyon Jackson and, and Tamir Oliver also. So those three have played a big role. And, uh, you know, you've got a number of others who, uh, who like Nolan Burnett, who is on special teams. You've got others who play. But basically you've got about ten who are, are really front line, either starters or in the, in the, in the rotation to play. So they'll be uh, suiting up for the last time today here at uh, Memorial Stadium. Of course, uh, one more time coming up in a bowl game. We can talk about that, but it's still kind of early. But uh, a lot of people are projecting uh, Illinois maybe to the pinstripe bowl in New York City at Yankee Stadium. But a lot of things need to happen and can't happen yet. There's one more team that can get bowl eligible, and that is Michigan State. They could do that today. Nebraska could have done it yesterday with a win. But they ended up uh, losing that game by three and falling to five and seven. So Michigan State, pretty likely that they'll beat Maryland to get to six and six on the season. Yeah, I, you know, is there a chance that Illinois, by winning today, if they won today, could they get involved in the Gator Bowl January 2? Otherwise, it'll be a December Bowl, probably the Red Box in San Francisco with the pinstripe at Yankee Stadium. That That's the likely situation. Uh, I suppose there are others, and... There are a lot of games being played around the country that are affecting these bowl selections. It looks like Iowa's probably going to go to the Holiday Bowl. They were there last week in Iowa City, the Holiday Bowl guys were, and they didn't mm-hmm. do anything to hurt themselves there yesterday with that win. Iowa's 9-3 and on the season and playing all those close games. They just won most of them. And they've become very consistent over the last over time. 
I mean, it's been four years since they went uh, what twelve and zero, but uh, and then they finished twelve and two. But nevertheless, uh, they, they had a tremendous season and uh, that year, and then in the last, and, and they've continued. Well, what I don't know how many consecutive bowls they've gone to now. I'd have to look it back up, but it's a whole bunch, and and uh, just doing a tremendous job. They play a lot of tough, close games. They draw huge crowds every game, and the and the fans are behind them and. And, uh, you know, they lose some close games. They lost three games this year by 14, total of 14 points, but all against ranked teams, and they beat everybody they were supposed to. Indiana's going to a bowl game. They've got uh, a game today at Purdue, but they're already bowl eligible, so they'll, they'll be in the mix. We mentioned Michigan State. Obviously, Penn State is going as well. Penn State plays Rutgers today. They'll pick up uh, another win there. Then Wisconsin and Minnesota, both uh, bowl-bound. And we'll see how that one plays out. One of those teams is going to play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Are they looking forward to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Wisconsin's already played them once. That didn't go so well for the uh, Badgers. What was that, 59 and nothing? No, that, that was your – 49. That was a different year? You're looking – you're talking about the game this year? No, 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 oh, no. The, the championship game. Yeah, yes, you're that, right. The game this year, too, they <laughs> it didn't go so well in Columbus because Wisconsin went over there right after they lost here to Illinois and, and got whooped in uh, in Columbus against Ohio State. So that's the lineup today. And uh, still, we won't know for sure until after the Big Ten Championship game, which is coming up next weekend in Indianapolis. 356-9397 are the phone numbers if you'd like to join us. The state championship games are being played up at Husky Stadium in DeKalb. We'll run down yesterday's scores for you if you missed them. In 1A, Lena Winslow beat uh, Mawequa Central A&M 58-20. That was a battle of unbeatens in 1A. In 2A, of a Sterling Newman over Nashville 35-14. Good game in the uh, 3A contest. Williamsville scored two touchdowns in the final three and a half minutes to beat Byron by a score of 46-42. And then last night, Richmond Burton beat Murfreesboro 51-14. More games today at 10 o'clock, Chicago St. Rita against Rochester. At 1 o'clock, Crystal Lake Prairie Ridge against East St. Louis Senior. Chicago Mount Carmel against Nazareth Academy, both those teams undefeated. And then uh, tonight, Gurney Warren at 13-0 against Frankfurt Lincoln Way East at 13-0. All those teams you mentioned, all the ones that played yesterday and today, nobody from the area, nobody right. locally, so... We don't have as much interest as we might otherwise have. Mawequa was the closest one, yeah. and, and they uh, they had a great season. They went into that game undefeated but lost it to uh, Lena Winslow in a battle of unbeaten. So four high school state championship games in the books, four more to go today. I don't know what kind of weather they're having up there, probably similar, similar to what we have here. We've got uh, rain and breezy conditions going at the Memorial Stadium right now, but we're still a ways away from this game, which kicks off shortly after 11 o'clock. What, what are you looking for? What uh, he had, This is kind of an interesting week. You had the holiday in there. They practiced. Uh, schedule changed up a little bit. And uh, Northwestern has nothing to lose. They need, I, I, would, I would be afraid that they're going to come out. They're going to have some pass plays that Illinois just has to stop. I don't care how much it rains. Watch the tight ends. The tight ends have been hurting Illinois all season. Uh, there's something about the defense that Illinois plays that the linebackers haven't, haven't always been able. They're very good at making tackles, very good at coming up hard and, and making hits, but they have allowed a lot of passes to be completed in their area. 
and that's that's the biggest concern I would have uh, because Northwestern must know that they're not going to be able to run the ball. Now, they ran the ball against Massachusetts, and uh, they had uh, uh, Hull ran for 220 yards against Massachusetts, but that was like a junior varsity opponent. I mean, this is – this is different. These two teams are much more equal than, than most people realize. There, there's not a, an awful lot of difference, particularly on a rainy field. It's just going to be a toss-up game. Yeah, I, first thing I noticed when I got over here an hour or so ago at the stadium was the field. And it wasn't raining at the time that I walked in, but the field <laughs> looked slick yeah. because it had rained uh, all and night long. And, and and it does, you know, the, 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 the water goes through the field. It it's porous, but if it's raining at the time, it's going to be wet. Yep. And if it's blowing, it's going to be coming down sideways. And yeah. Oh, it's just going to be a bad day. And look at this. Look at it come now. <laughs> it's it's raining. It is 8:28. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk from Memorial Stadium. Stay with us. We're back in a moment. We are back on the Line I Fellows Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. The Illini and the uh, Northwestern Wildcats here today for the Land of Lincoln Trophy. By the way, if you're in the area uh, getting set to tailgate, there will not be an Illini walk today due to the weather conditions. They normally start over the football building, walk all the way around the uh, stadium, and then come in on the other side, and the fans get a chance to see them. They walk through Grange Grove they will not do that. It normally gets going at 8.45 on an 11 o'clock kick, so that will not be done today. Hopefully, Lauren, this rain might slow down here before kickoff. Well, this rain, this, uh, the conditions are going to affect this game greatly, and I'm, I keep saying I am uh, bolstered by the fact that uh, they only played so well in the rain at Purdue. Let's bring in our friend Will Leach. I'm guessing the weather is a little bit better where he is. Good morning, Will. How are you? Uh, good morning. Thank you. Uh, I'm actually outside Bobby Dodd Stadium, where Georgia will play, be playing Georgia Tech at the same time as the Illinois game starts. To warn you, there's a small possibility that, that Georgia Tech, when they score a touchdown, they blow a train whistle, and they appear to be practicing it before the game, <laughs> probably because probably because they will not get the opportunity to use it much during the game. So, uh, so just, just to warn you in advance, it's possible a massive train uh, whistle will go off at some point. Don't worry, I'm not about to get hit by a train. It's just Georgia Tech uh, practicing their train whistle. Well, we like those uh, natural sound uh, audio things in our, in our program anyway from time to time, so that'll be okay as long as we know that you're not getting hit by a train. But uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a rivalry game, and there's a lot of those going around, including – including this one here in Champaign. I know you're following the Illini closely. They had that four-game winning streak uh, snap last week with a tough loss at Iowa. But how are you feeling about uh, your alma mater as they get ready to go to a bowl game for the first time in five years? Yeah, it is amazing. I was reading uh, uh, Robert Rosenthal from uh, from Illini board. He wrote about how, how he, uh, he captured it pretty well. How I felt going into today's game, all because of the Michigan State win. Illinois loses that game. I am losing sleep tonight. I'm terrified. I don't know what's going to happen. Once they got that sixth win, it was like, oh, okay, well, I'll have a good night's sleep and relax, and maybe we can beat the streak against Northwestern. But if not, we've already got our sixth win. So it is a very odd to be at this sort of point uh, in the Illini season where it's like, hey, it'd be great to beat Northwestern, but hey, we already achieved all of our goals. So it's definitely, I certainly want Illinois to win today, obviously, but it definitely helps you relax a little bit. For me, you know, obviously you guys, the weather is, is, 
is rough over there. I'm a little worried it's going to make it's going to naturally turn Illinois' offense into Northwestern's offense, <laughs> which is to say uh, that that kind of that kind of gross weather. But I think you're right, Lauren. I heard you saying that how Illinois played against Purdue, it really kind of didn't seem to bother them uh, uh, all that much. It seemed to, to certainly bother them a lot less than it bothered Purdue. Uh, in Northwestern, obviously, they're going to be that you'd think they'd get up for this game a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, th- they've had such a brutal season and things. And I think they're starting the fourth string quarterback. Like things have, have kind of fallen apart on them. So uh, to me, the big thing for Illinois today, I want to see these seniors get a chance to win in their last game. They have been through so much. Every single one of those seniors, uh, from Dre Brown to, to Reggie Corbin, to all of these guys, all they've kind of been through, all, they've kind of, all, all the leaps of faith it took for them to stay uh, when, uh, uh, through a program that's had so much trouble for their entire time here. Uh, I think that's the big thing for Illinois today, is a thing get a win for those seniors and have them not go winless against Northwestern, which is just embarrassing to say, honestly, winless against Northwestern. Uh, I, I think that's the key thing for today. Well, uh, Steve and I talk about this rivalry, so-called, and do you feel the rivalry toward Northwestern that Northwestern feels toward Illinois? I feel like uh, Illinois feels the rivalry north- toward Northwestern when things are going wrong. <laughs> it's probably okay. the best way to put it. If things, if things are going great for Northwestern and bad for Illinois, yes, this is a rivalry. But otherwise, I, actually, it, does, it feels somewhat similar to me, frankly, to what Georgia Georgia Tech does here, uh, here in Atlanta. If the only, uh, uh, there's actually been a lot of talk here in, in, in Georgia about how should Georgia even play this game anymore. And, and they just kind of dominate Georgia Tech so much. And Kirby Smart had a great line about this. He said, yeah, it might not seem like a rivalry now, but it'll seem like a rivalry if you, when we lose. And I think that's a good point, right? Like, it doesn't seem like yeah. a big deal until you lose, and then it's a huge deal. And I think, that, I think I, that's, that feels like the natural order things that have been kind of upended a little bit over the last decade. Frankly, Illinois should be pretty high above Northwestern in both sports. And I think it speaks to uh, – I, I think it's a good sign, I would say, that Northwestern has basically had the best decade in both sports that they've had really in, 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 in many, many years. And Illinois has kind of had the worst. And they're still around the same place. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a good sign because I think uh, uh, this is I, I we've seen already with the football team. And I think we're seeing now with the basketball team uh, that natural equilibrium coming back a little bit. So Illinois feels I never wanted to uh, indulge Northwestern too much on their Chicago's Big Ten team uh, business because I think at best they're Evanston's third Big Ten team is probably the best <laughs> way uh, to think about it. Uh, but uh, to me, indulging them gives them more power and credit than they should. I think Illinois should generally dominate Northwestern. I think now that things are starting to turn around a little bit, I think we'll, we'll see that happening in the future. I will always consider Iowa, Indiana, uh, and even Missouri much bigger rivals than Northwestern. I'm always uh, I'm just amazed by the fact that Northwestern went 15 for 16 in the Western, you know, to, in the in the Big Ten, in that streak, and then turn right around and go 0 for 8. <laughs> I mean, explain I, yeah. that. I think that's the margins, right? Listen, you're seeing this in basketball too, right? They go from making the tournament one year to falling apart the next year to losing at home to Merrimack uh, the, the year after that. I think that Northwestern naturally is just never going to be able to have that kind of cachet, and and you know, and and to be able to put something sustained you're going to have years even like in the gary barnett years you're going to have years where uh, uh where everything kind of comes together for them they have these little runs i think it speaks as as uh as irritating as an alumni fan as i might find him sometimes uh to me pat fitzgerald it speaks to how 
great of a job he's done there that they've almost had the illusion of being like a big tin sort of power, but they're not, <laughs> they're not. And I think that they have taken advantage of a little bit of this really downtime, not just for Illinois, but for Purdue and, uh, and, and so, some of these other uh, uh, franchises that should be better uh, schools that should be better. that have had this down period. I think now that you're starting to see things level out a little bit, Illinois kind of taking the step forward that we've all kind of hoped they'd be able to take. I wonder how that speaks Northwestern. I'll put it this way. They, it's probably a good thing that they built that fancy new facility when they did, because <laughs> it's going to be a lot harder to, to justify 10 years from now when they're back at the bottom of the big 10, like they uh, probably naturally should be. We're visiting with Will Leach. You're uh, down in Georgia. You're living down there now. You're close uh, to Athens. And uh, how good is Georgia? Yeah, it's it's been a, quite a thing here. I mean, on one hand, wow, they're ten and one and four in the fourth in the country. What an amazing team, right? And everyone here is so unhappy. And nationally speaking, nobody likes to watch them. It's a really kind of an uh, an interesting thing. And it's kind of the product of their own success, right? The idea that Georgia has now been successful long enough and they've almost kind of built this machine uh, a little bit to where 10 and one feels underwhelming if they're not blowing people away or they're not that exciting. And I think, you know, it speaks to also people, you know, I think that uh, uh, part of it is that Georgia plays a kind of 2009 Alabama style when, and nobody liked that. Remember Alabama was winning national championship games six to three back in the day. Like it made them not very fun to watch. So, uh, I think Georgia kind of plays that way. Kirby Smart's obviously from the Alabama tree. The difference is that Alabama doesn't play that way anymore. And Clemson doesn't play that way anymore. So they're obviously really good, and they, I think they'll, they'll crush Georgia Tech today and, frankly, be in a pretty good position to have a chance against LSU. But uh, certainly, uh, not only nationally are people kind of down on Georgia a little bit, uh, I think locally it's just it, it, do, there's, it definitely feels like uh, – the least inspiring 10 and one team uh, in, in, in recent Georgia memory, which is to say the rest of us as Illini fans are like, wow, the boy, oh, poor you. You're not appropriately excited by a 10 and one football team. But uh, I guess that's what happens when you win a lot. Let's talk baseball a couple of minutes uh, with Will Leach, who uh, writes for MLB.com, among other uh, publications and websites. Uh, the hot stove league, so to speak, uh, discussion not much going on right now. It's not, uh, I guess it's just kind of warm right now. Not uh, not quite hot yet. But uh, your thoughts as far as the Cardinals might be over the winter, what do you think they might do or not do? Yeah, I think it's a little, It's not been quite as frigid as last year, and I don't think we're going to be waiting until February like we did a lot of the time last year. I think that uh, things are get moving a little bit quicker. I think some of these top free agents, Steven Strasburg is likely going to stay with Washington, which I think will loosen these things up a little bit. Uh, as for the Cardinals, I just don't, you know, it feels like there's an op- opportunity to maybe wait and see if there's an outfielder that, that falls to them. But they're not going to be aggressive this year. Uh, they, I think perhaps they should, but I, I, I don't wouldn't expect Ozuna to come back to the Ozuna seems like a pretty logical fit for Cincinnati uh, in a lot of ways. For the Cardinals, I can see them if they can, if they can find a stray outfielder to sign for like one year until you know that Carlson's ready or you see one of the center fielders kind of step up. But, you know, they've made, I know that Cardinal fans were kind of frustrated with how it ended, but they did make it to the NLCS last year. And I think that the, uh, I like the general manager got an extension, the team president got an extension, the manager got an extension. The Cardinals do not necessarily feel that urgency that I think they did going into last year when they felt like they had to get Andrew Miller and had to re-sign Paul Goldschmidt. I think they're going to wait for deals this year. But in a lot of ways, that Matt Carpenter contract and that Miles Wyckoff extension and the Goldsmith extension have kind of put them in a situation where they don't have 
Uh, they're not going to push up against the luxury tax. Tax. They're not going to spend a lot of money. Uh, if they can get a deal, they'll get someone. But frankly, I don't know how much different, for better or worse, this team is going to look uh, on opening day that did the end of the year, except they're not going to have Ozuna and they're not going to have uh, Waka, who's probably not as big of a deal. But I don't think there's going to be a lot of changes on this team. And uh, I think the Cardinals are happy with where they are. I think they should be more aggressive, but I don't think they're going to be. What do you hear from the Cubs? Uh, any news out of there at all? Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Like they're they're oddly quiet, and I, I you know you wonder if with the kind of transition they're going through uh, with David Ross as the new manager, which is an entirely different cultural situation there, and maybe to figure out what they're going to do with Chris Bryant, are they going to try to resign him? He is not really. Seen, I think he's still a little sore about uh, kind of what happened at the beginning of his career when he was sat down uh, to to get an extra year in his free agency. He doesn't really feel like he needs to give the Cubs any sort of break. So uh, then you figure out what they're going to do with that. But the Cubs, it is strange. You know, you look at that division and you see the Brewers still being aggressive. You see the Reds clearly being aggressive. I would, to me, if there's a team that's going to make a surprise signing this offseason, it's probably the Reds. But it is kind of interesting that both the Cardinals and the Cubs, who are supposed to be kind of the two titans of the division, are probably the most passive. And uh, yeah. I think it makes more sense. I think it makes more sense for the Cardinals. I, I don't. I think the Cardinals should be more aggressive. But they did just win the division. And they did just make it to the NLCS. The Cubs. Like the bloom is kind of off from that little fun little run uh, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, it feels like they want to like figure out the kind of their new culture rather than make any sort of big investment for a player. They want to figure out what they're doing with Bryant, what they've got with Ross. They want to kind of restructure everything after trading away so much of the farm system. Uh, I think that's, if I were a Cubs fan, I'd be pretty frustrated that uh, uh, that this kind of historic run they seem to kind of be in neutral a little bit right now. The the Cubs uh, pitching situation intrigues me because. There were times last year where their starters weren't particularly effective. I mean, as effective as they had been. It seems to me that uh, that's more of a problem for them, both the, both the, the starting and relieving, than the core team, which I consider, you know, the the Rizzos and, the, and and all the guys that were Bryant and all those that were have been there all along or have been through this particular run. Do you, do you see them making another move like a Darvish? You know, it's funny. This has really kind of been the fundamental difference between the Cardinals and the Cubs over the last two decades, really, is that the Cubs have dedicated uh, their resources, particularly their their roster, minor league resources, to hitting, and the Cardinals have, have, uh, have concentrated on developing pitching. And in a lot of ways, look at that Cubs lineup. <laughs> they, not only do they have all those guys, but they traded Jimenez, you know, and they and they uh, traded Torres. Like they obviously have, uh, they 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 had so many uh, hitters, but the pitching has never been there. A lot of the guys they traded for have not turned out. I feel like as good as I think it's forgotten how good Darvish was for the second half of last year. That's still a huge expenditure. I can't imagine not just the Cubs. But unless you're getting like a Garrett Cole, and the Cubs aren't going to be on a Garrett Cole, unless you're getting a top-tier starter, I don't think people are going to be spending a ton of money on starting pitching uh, uh, this year. I don't think the Cubs will be any different. So uh, yeah, they kind of, you know, they kind of have to uh, – the Cubs feel like a, a team that, that got so excited about winning another championship and poured a lot of resources and traded away a lot of young players – that they're kind of stuck now. This is kind of the roster that they have, and they want to get they they got a little crazy. They spent to the buffet a lot, and now they're trying to dial it back a little bit. And I think uh, if I'm a coach fan, I'd be frustrated because the ticket prices aren't any cheaper. <laughs> Even though they're not they're not spending uh, the Cubs, they're still making lots of money. Uh, but I think the Cubs are kind of reining in a lot of things right now to try to get their house in order. And I think uh, you may see uh, listen. That's still a very talented roster, but I, I can't imagine. I can't see them bringing in a lot. Uh, uh, bringing a lot of top free agents in the offseason. 
back to football real quick. If, not if, but when it is announced where Illinois will go to a bowl game, is there a chance we'll see Will Leach in attendance there? Believe you me, uh, the, it, I've been eyeing that pinstripe bowl for a while. The idea <laughs> of the Cardinals at playing, uh, the Illini playing at Yankee Stadium is pretty exciting. Uh, Red Box will be a tougher play, and uh, if they lose today, uh, I, I, I don't know if I'll do the at, day after Christmas trip to Detroit, as exciting as it would be <laughs> to watch that. Uh, and it would be exciting. I would, I would love watching the game on television. But for me, you know, I think, I know there's some people have even talked about the idea of making them, the, giving them the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. That seems maybe a little too optimistic. That feels like maybe Iowa. But yeah, if you get them at the Pinstripe Bowl, you're telling me, I lived in New York for 13 years. And to see Illinois play a bowl game at Yankee Stadium, uh, yeah, I think I could probably fit that in my schedule. It will be a very, very exciting thing. And I, to be honest, I think you'll see a lot of Illini fans travel to wherever they are. There's not just oh. it, you know, last time they made a bowl against Louisiana Tech, it was fun, but it was also felt like kind of the end of the line. This feels like the start of something. I think the Illini fans will travel pretty well. Are there any planes from Atlanta to New York? <laughs> oh, there are many planes from Atlanta to New York. Every, what, every me. 10 minutes? <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me, they, those are major hubs for both. Uh, I, can, I, can, I, I, I can actually tell you all the different times uh, that, they, that they've made it. It's basically a shuttle at this point. I recognize the pilots at this point. <laughs> hey, Will, we appreciate your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Of course. Uh, good, uh, good luck to you. Let's get that seventh win. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Will. Will Leach with us at 847. Hey, if you've been uh, considering replacing uh, the windows and doors on your home, how about a trip to the Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign? They can help clear up what might be an overwhelming situation. Otherwise, Mike Mary and uh, the Illini Pella folks have been fixtures in the community for well over 40 years now. You know, there are many choices in windows and doors, plenty of things to select from there. The Pella Window Store has eight patio doors on display in the showroom. They'll not only help you decide what's best for you, they'll stand behind them with a limited lifetime warranty. Illini Pella offers one-stop shopping. The products, installation, and financing can be discussed there. Window and door shopping is not something you do every day, so you want to make sure you get it right. Do the proper research, set your budget, work with the pros at the Pella Window Store. Then you'll be able to show off your new windows and doors to family and friends over the holidays. The Pedal Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. They also have locations in Danville, Decatur, and Bloomington. Check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. Mike Mary, the man to ask for in Champaign. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Talks of fighting Illini basketball now on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly and Lauren Tay with you. Stephen Gentry, Illini assistant basketball coach. Six games in the books. A little bit of time for you to kind of look back on those six games. And as you do that, give me some highlights. What do you like about this team? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, this is a great time of year. We've got a pretty good sample size um, of both film and analytics and stats to you know, I think you really learn a lot about your team and um, not only your team, but your individuals and you kind of go back to the drawing board, so to speak, um, and, and improve individually and then, hey, improve collectively. But, um, you know, hey, I think, first of all, what I what I like that I've seen is, is we're, we're rebounding at a high, high level. You know, we're number one in the country in offensive rebound percentage. I think we're top 15 in defensive. Um, you know, that's always kind of been a staple of coaches teams so I think our guys have really bought into that 
um, in terms of rebounding the ball. And um, I think our offense is getting there. Um, I think we've got like a top 30 offense right now. We're taking much, much better care of the basketball. Um, we're kind of adding things and growing on that end. But, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing is just trying to continue to take care of the basketball and um, have the pieces kind of flow a little bit better. Has anything surprised you so far? Um, I don't know if anything's really surprised me. Um, I mean, I guess I come into this a little bit different cause, uh, with a fresh perspective. I haven't been here um, the last two years, so maybe there's nothing that really surprised me. It's kind of just all I all I know, but I'll, I'll chat with the assistants from time to time, and they're like, man, it's this this is so much better. Or, hey, that's not as good as this was the last couple of years. But um, um, I think what's impressed me is, hey, the coachability of this group. Um, they're great listeners. Um, they play hard. They practice hard. And we're throwing a lot of new things at them this year, a new defense. We're sprinkling in some new offensive concepts, and um, they've taken it all in, in stride. Let's talk about some of those concepts. You were with uh, uh, Underwood, uh, both at Stephen F. Austin. By the way, Stephen F. Austin is doing pretty good these days. Pretty but, good. Uh, big <laughs> but uh, you were with him there, and, of course, you were with him at Oklahoma State. Now he's got basically what I almost call, what we used to call a twin tower, two big guys. Uh, how has that altered how he schemes the offense? Um, I, well, offensively, we changed our secondary break. Um, which coach hasn't been afraid to do in the past. Um, we went from Stephen F. Austin to Oklahoma State. We had a, a much different team. Um, we had ball-dominant point guard. We had a lot of shooters. So we opened up the court um, in our secondary transition break. And then even coming back here um, this year with those two bigs, so to speak, your twin towers, we've changed our secondary break to have more of a rim runner. Um, a post running down the middle of the lane and posting early, and you know they haven't done that in the, in the past. Um, we're still running our spread offense, um, and that that is a challenge with two two big guys. But um, Georgie's improving in terms of playing um, on the perimeter, and then hey, we find our set plays to get Georgie on the block too. Um, we don't want to make him just a strictly a perimeter player because you know as we saw in last night's game, um, hey, he's great with his back to the basket and he's got great touch around there. So we also try to get him on that, that low block as well. Um, I think, if anything, it's probably changed our defensive schemes more than, than offensively. Um, obviously, the last two years here at Illinois, it was pressure, 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 deny, high turnovers, maybe high foul rate. Um, now it's the, the opposite. We're more in gaps. because um, we, you know, we don't think that Georgie and Kofi are guys that can be out there denying, and we want to keep them in the paint, protecting the rim. and. I, mean, I think two key stats that you're seeing with that defensive change are we're now, I think, 12th in the country in foul rate, mm -hmm. which in the past it was one of the worst. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really, really helped our defensive rebounding. We're more there in the paint. We're more in gaps. Um, so I think you're seeing it in those two main statistical areas. And, and that was our goal. Hey, we're going to make this defensive change to keep teams off the foul line and to become a, a top 10 defensive rebounding team. And we're seeing that so far. You know, it's a 40-minute game. How many minutes do you think is reasonable for Kofi? And you mentioned uh, defense, and I just wondered, you, there was some thought early you might be using some zone or extensive zone maybe with the two big guys. I don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, we're still developing that in practice. If you notice, we do it on baseline out of bounds. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we get a little bit of a taste there. Um, we're still trying to kind of develop that defensive weapon. Um, you know, we played a little bit at Arizona. Um, with not a ton of success. Um, but, yeah, that's something we're going to try to kind of keep working on and keep developing because we do. We have, we have really good size. We have really good length. 
Um, when you factor in DeMonte and Io and um, Kipper and some Ben and all those other guys, so we've got really good size, really good length. Um, do we feel, yeah, we'll, we'll keep developing developing that zone. And Kofi, as far as the number of minutes, I mean, that's going to th probably throw Georgie into the post uh, exclusively during the time he's not in there. Right, which I think is great. Um, I mean, I think if I had to put a number on it, I mean, I don't, I mean, I think 23, 24, 25 minutes. Um, you, you want him to be able to, to maximize those minutes. You don't just want to be out there just to be out there. Um, he's such an incredible force um, down there on the block. You want him rested and charged and, and going full speed. But, um, and again, because we do have a great option, and Georgie is a backup five, um, that makes even that case even more. Instead of having a 70% Kofi out there, let's get a you know, rested Georgie and get him on the block. And, yeah, it's a great, great luxury to have. But I think Kofi's learning at pushing through and getting over that hump, so to speak. You kind of see it in the games where he's starting to get tired and he's getting much, much better at pushing through, um, you know, those stages. There was a couple key points in the even in the Hampton game where the game was getting up and down and he was looking over the bench and it's like, no, 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 we're not calling a timeout. Like, you got to keep running and posting and, and playing hard. Talking to uh, Stephen Gentry, talking Illinois basketball. You mentioned Kofi. You played and coached at Gonzaga. Have you seen a guy kind of like Kofi come along? Gonzaga's had some pretty good big guys there. Yeah, he's he's a kind of a weird mix of a bunch of guys. I mean, he has the size of Shimit Karnowski, um, but yet uh, Karnowski didn't have the explosion um, or the straight power that Kofi does. So he's a little bit of a unicorn in that. That um, he's such a special specimen. Specimen, excuse me, um, but. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I've been around a lot of great – I mean, you know, played with Roni Turioff, played with J.P. Batista, and, you know, was able to, to coach, uh, you know, Jonathan Williams and um, be around Zach Collins and, and all those other – Brandon Clark and Rui and all those guys. Yeah, the list goes on. But um, Kofi's kind of his own, his own beast um, in terms of just that power and size, great hands, great feet. But I think probably Kofi's best attribute, he's an unbelievable listener. I mean, you try to coach him, and he's looking you in the eye, and and then even better, he has a great ability to apply that coaching um, to the court. Some blowout wins this past week. Now it gets a little bit tougher with uh, Miami coming to town Monday, Big Ten ACC Challenge, then on the road for a Big Ten opener at Maryland. So interesting week coming up. Yeah, and that's what we've been uh, – I mean, our game was over the other night, and uh, we're like, hey, we got to make a jump this week. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of teams around the country that are playing in these tournaments. They're playing. They're traveling. You know, we're not. We're here um, at home and had a great opportunity to practice and um, get better, and uh, I think that'll help lay the groundwork for hopefully success in these next these next three games because they are, they are big ones, um, especially, you know, hey, Miami home and, like, opening up Big Ten play at, at Maryland. I know you follow basketball all across the country. What's going on with all these upsets? Four teams have been number one already. Uh, if Oregon is number one, I guess next, uh, or who who knows? It'll be by the end of the week. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's what makes uh, college basketball so special is just the parity of it. And there's a lot of great teams out there, a lot of great coaches. But I think it's a great lesson too. I mean, just uh, got to bring it every night, um, no matter who you're playing. Um, you got to be prepared. You got to be ready. You got to play hard and. We tell our guys all the time, we kind of have a, a mantra of a, a faceless opponent, a nameless opponent. It's just about 
you know, doing what we do. It doesn't matter if we're playing Hampton or Maryland or Lindenwood. We have the same approach. We have the same preparation. And not that those teams that lost didn't, um, but um, I think it's a great lesson for our players that, hey, you do. You have to bring it every single every single night. But I think it's also just one of those years where there's not a singular dominant team. And, you know, last year it was Duke and Gonzaga probably right off the bat. Um, everyone – see very early on that hey these are two really really good teams and this year I think there's probably just 10 or 12 really good teams why is Arizona not ranked higher yeah I mean obviously we saw that up close in person I mean I said going into the game I told Braggs I had the the scout for that I and mean, these guys are really really good and then even after the fact it's like wow I mean and I think they're ranked like 18th when we played them I, I mean and I'm not big into rankings and all that, but I was like, this is not the 18th ranked team in the, in the country. And, uh, I mean, to me, and I said it again to Brad this morning, I mean, they're a top two or three team in the country. Great depth, great talent, great coaching. Um, they really guard. Um, and then Nico Mannion's a freshman, but he's, he's playing like a four-year starter. Um, so yeah, no, they've got a they've got a really nice team, and uh, the Pac-12 is going to be a little bit more difficult this year. But um, golly, I think yeah, I had to pick. I mean, Arizona's a top two team right now. Appreciate your time. We'll see you Monday night. Yeah, thanks, guys. That's Illinois assistant basketball coach Stephen Gentry on Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk WDWS Champaign Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with more. We've got some more football talk for you before the start of our pregame coverage coming up at the bottom of the hour. Back after this. Moving up on 9.05, a lot of my fellow Saturday sports talk with you from Memorial Stadium with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Our pregame coverage with Scott Beatty and the folks gets going at 9.30 here this is after this morning after we get done here with our show. Then we're back with pregame coverage for you as well at 10 o'clock before this game kicks at 11.03 here at Memorial Stadium in Champaign. Don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be officially yet. There's a lot of speculation that it won't be Brandon Peters, but we'll know that coming up within the hour. Yeah, they're going to make it official here before the ball game, but uh, right now they're just uh, they're holding out. <laughs> but it seems apparent that uh, that Peters will not be the starting quarterback. And uh, we're not sure about Jake Hansen either. He hasn't played a couple of ball games yeah, yeah. due they're, to an injury. They're they're trying to they're trying to keep. Uh, Northwestern in the dark as long as possible, and of course keeping us in the dark at the same time. I, I think it's, you know, it's relatively clear that uh, that the injuries are that were sustained previously are still carrying over into this game, and so, um, you know, I, I think that um, I, I just think that if this is going to be up to Robinson to come out and win this ball game for Illinois, and and I think Illinois is going to try to run the ball, and I think. Uh, they're they're going to make every effort to run it, and I think that Northwestern is going to set their defense to prevent that. So, with one team has to, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose in that situation. And 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 I'm 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 encouraged by the fact that Illinois ran the ball fairly well against Iowa and has run the ball fairly well in a lot of games this season. These teams are comparable defensively both giving up about 25 points a ball game. The difference is Northwestern is only scoring 15 points a game. Their offense has just been uh, struggling all year long. Well, I got a number for you. In the Big Ten, just in the big t eight Big Ten games, Northwestern is averaging 
10.6 points per game. <laughs> That's not very good. They've been really stopped. They've, they've broken out in a couple of non-conference games, as you saw against Massachusetts more recently, and earlier they did, but – 10 points again. That's a that's a touchdown and a field goal in the on average in the Big 10. Yeah, they began the season losing at Stanford, then they beat uh, UNLV. Their other win came a couple of weeks ago in a non-league game against UMass, but they're 0 and 8 in the Big 10 and you mentioned those stats. But uh, it's kind of a uh, out of character thing at least in recent history for Northwestern. They have gone to uh, four straight bowl games coming into this season. And in the last four years against Illinois, they've outscored Illinois one thirty-two to fifty-eight. Yeah, they've been dominant. They've had, they've and they've had a, a great run until this year. They've had a, a, a I would call it almost a miraculous run, considering that it is Northwestern. They and they won at one time three consecutive overtime games. They've been very good in the close games, and that's what worries you about this game because they're accustomed to to playing those kind of games, and and uh, Illinois has got to get accustomed to winning those kind of games. The series began. Back when you were a sophomore in 1892, uh huh, uh huh, and uh, I remember that year. There was a lot of uh, a lot of difference between uh, Illinois and Northwestern over the years. This series used to be so lopsided. Now it's down to within three games, and Northwestern has won 12 of the last 16. Yeah, it, it's it's turned. Illinois football has has been down for so long, and we just keep hoping that you you could see. The possibility of a turn here. They've got some early games next season that they should win. They've got this tremendous junior class. I say tremendous in terms of the numbers. They're going to have, depending on who returns, of course, and you've got a couple guys that could turn pro, and I wonder if Hayes will be back the way as well as he punts. But um, it's it's this is, this is a situation where Illinois could have a pretty good football team next year. You'd like to see – a win today and a, and a bowl win to get the, the streak started because they could take a they could have a pretty good winning streak and uh, going through next season. Well, certainly seven and five looks a whole lot better than uh, six and six, even though both would get you to a bowl game. But seven and five is what they're shooting for. The last bowl game for Illinois was the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas game, a 35 to 14 loss in 2014 to Louisiana Tech. The last bowl win got to go back to uh, 2011. In that Kraft Fight Hunger Bowl, 20 to 14 over UCLA, all-time Illinois is eight and 10 in bowl games, and it's it's good to be back in the business of a bowl game because not only for you know playing one more game, but it's those 15 extra practices you get. Well, yeah, they're, they're, this is this could be the start of something, and the the big problem that Illinois got is not so much as we look at this thing take a look at the big picture it's not so much about next year because illinois will be better next year should be better everybody uh, not everybody obviously but most of their quality starters are back they've simply got to figure out how to get some recruits in here for the following year after that that's that's when the drop off could come unless they can take advantage of this situation, and that's the key to everything right now is taking advantage of, of these wins that they've had and the fact that they're in a bowl, and and, and they've got to close out recruiting because they've only got eight or nine guys right now. They, I guess they have nine with, with the junior college edition, but uh, I know that Lovey's only going to take about 14 or so high school uh, players, and then he's going to try to fill it in with transfers, and I'm, I'm looking at guys jumping into the portal left and right here. Uh, even now, Steve, before the season's over, you got a number of guys that are in the portal. It is uh, 9-11, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a timeout and be back with more. Again, we're with you until 9.30.
Then we have a line of game day coverage leading right up to the uh, kickoff and uh, through the ball game and post-game coverage as well. Stay with us. We're back with more from Memorial Stadium after this. Hi, this is Brian Barnhart. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend. We'll come back and finish your thoughts on Monday at 9 o'clock with Lauren Tate. Monday morning quarterback. A lot to talk about. We'll do that Monday on DWS. 9-14 on DWS. A lot of our Saturday sports talk with you here at Memorial Stadium. A few members of each team out on the field early here going through some warm-ups. Some of the uh, special team guys, some Northwestern offensive and defensive linemen out here. This game kicks at 11.03, senior day. Always a big day for uh, the football program and their last home game, whatever that might come on the schedule. And the 17 or so players being mentioned today and their final uh, opportunity to dress in the orange and blue, Lauren. Yeah, and uh, we're going to have some some players who are going through senior ceremonies who may or may not return. We've already mentioned Dre Brown, but you've got uh, Chavonio, who is a starting defensive end, is going through seniors, even though he's got a year of eligibility left. Kurt Gavin's got a year of eligibility left. We mentioned him. Palmer tight end's got a year left, and he's going through. So it doesn't mean necessarily 100% that a guy won't be back if he goes through senior ceremonies, but it's certainly an indication, isn't it? It's a hint that they aren't intending to return, and maybe some of them might go other places to play football. You never know. Good. Still no official word on uh, the quarterback situation for Illinois. We don't expect uh, Brandon Peters to uh, be the starter at least, and uh, I'm guessing that if he doesn't start, he probably wouldn't play. But we'll, we don't know that for sure. We'll know that coming up here before too long. This game kicks off at 11.03, one of seven games on the uh, Big Ten schedule this weekend, one of which has already been played, number 19, Iowa, winning at Nebraska yesterday, 27-24 for the uh, Heroes Trophy. This game, of course, is for the Land of Lincoln Trophy, what used to be called the Sweet Sioux Tomahawk back in the day. And uh, that series, by the way, the, the two combined trophies, the, the record is dead even. <laughs> okay. Uh, Illinois still leads the overall series. They played some games before they designated a trophy. Well, but it, you know, they, they had a trophy, then they dropped a trophy. I mean, you yeah. see, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know why they get dropped, but some, maybe, the, maybe the trophy gets old. <laughs> the Land of Lincoln trophy is heavily in Northwestern's favor in the 10 years that it's been around. Uh, Wildcats have won seven out of those 10 games. Big game, a couple of big games in the Big Ten. Number two, Ohio State is at number 10, Michigan. That game at the Big House getting underway at 11 o'clock this morning. Indiana plays at Purdue for the old Oaken Bucket. Maryland is at Michigan State at 2.30. Rutgers plays number 12, Penn State, at 2.30 as well. And then number 13, Wisconsin, is at number 9, Minnesota, for Paul Bunyan's axe. And Minnesota got that back last year with a win in Madison after Wisconsin had won 14 straight. Minnesota deserves a lot of credit. They've won more football games in recent years than we realized. You know, even before Fleck got there, they were pretty good. So I want to to throw out some numbers at you because we're going to be talking about Matt Robinson all day today probably. He has actually played in seven of the Illini football games out of 11. He's completed 34 out of 60 passes, which is 56 or 57%. And in completing 34 passes for 367 yards, he's a little over 10 yards per completion. So he's been relatively fairly effective during the time he played. Now, he had some turnovers late against, uh, you know, late in the ball game against, uh, uh, who was that, uh, Michigan. And uh, he, uh, 
he, he's not really experienced, but at least he's been around a couple of years, and this will be his chance to show what he can do as a starter. Got the phone lines open. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Urbana caller, GB, go ahead. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, with this kind of record loving guy, a lot of coaches in the country would get fired for it. Yeah, sure. I know. And I, is, is mediocrity good for this program or what? Well, what, what, at what point, I mean, do you have to allow a coach to have time when he inherits? Oh, uh, I, I, know, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. But Brandon Peters is medio- mediocre. You know, I, it's not going to show today what they can do, but uh, I hope I, you know, I hope they just give Isaiah Williams a chance next year. Well, he'll have a chance if he can show it. I mean, obviously they're going to play a guy that, that shows the ability. I mean, he's been hurt most of this season, and he's way behind. And, and, and uh, you know, I think yeah. if, you ha- if you have to go with Isaiah Williams today, you're probably in trouble. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, appreciate the call. If you'd like to get in, 356-9397 is the number. You've got another 10 minutes to do that before we um, continue our Saturday coverage with uh, Illini game day coming up at 930. I would say as far as Lovey's concerned that his situation before the Wisconsin-Michigan State game was tenuous, even though I know Whitman would want to stay with him. But, I, I, we, we, you know, they're, they're, they're always looking around. Uh, for. You always have to be in – have a have a list, and I'm sure Whitman has a list of, of coaches that he would be interested in if if he felt like Levy couldn't make it. But Levy certainly has turned things a, at least a little bit. I'm not satisfied with a six and six or seven five year. I don't think you are either. Nobody, no Illinois fans should be satisfied with that. But we're we we have to take one step at a time, and and it should be better next year. And we've been saying this for a long time. They've got a lot of juniors returning that will be seniors next year and these guys have been started some of these guys have started 25 and 30 games steve already i think satisfaction comes in uh, different levels different well, steps yeah. i mean when you're when you've been down and you're starting getting back to what somebody might call mediocrity well then you, you got to get to that point to get to the next point is what i'm trying to say there well it's a tough decision and uh, it's a tough business uh, illinois is so down in recruiting i don't know what would bring it back uh, Illinois has been very fortunate this year to land six or seven guys that are, I, I'm counting Navarro in that group. Of course, he came from Valparaiso a year earlier, but had to sit out a year. But I'm, they've had six or seven guys that have made a big impact on this team who are simply, you, you worry about transfers because you might be getting somebody else's failures. I mean, that's possible. That's why a lot of guys transfer because they weren't successful where they were and they want to go somewhere else and start over. Well, it's worked out pretty well this year for Illinois, whether that will be the case in the future. Uh, you know, we can only wait and see. I mean, it's a tough business to try to win with transfers. Let's go back to the phones. Todd is calling from Peoria. Hey, Todd. How you doing this morning? Good. How about you? Just fine. I just wanted to say um, how happy I am with the progress of the football program. I know people aren't real excited sometimes over six and six or seven and five, but where we've been and where we've gotten to, um, I just I'm really really pleased and excited for the future. Yeah, and and six and six and seven and five is okay this year. Now we'll have to settle for that, but it won't be okay in a couple of years. And no matter where you are, if you're ten and one and you're at Georgia, people are disappointed, right? Because you know they're yeah. worried about they're going to lose to. LSU and their playoff game, and then, you know, they won't go to the Final Four. And 
and that's their concern. And, and it's all the way up and down the line. Nobody's satisfied with where they finish if they lose one game. So Yeah. No, I just I just remember a few years ago when it was really, really sad, and the cupboard was pretty bare when Lovey got here. And, I mean, I, I just think it's had to been a complete overhaul, and that takes time. Well, it certainly does. You have to get players. It takes time to get players. Hey, Todd, we appreciate the call. Thanks for doing uh, Thank you. Doing that. We appreciate it. Let's squeeze in another one. Marty in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Hey, Marty. Hey, Steve. Hey, Lauren. Yeah, I'm going to echo Todd. I, I know people may think, uh, oh, Peters is mediocre, or this is mediocre, or the team just – good Lord, do you remember how bad we were four, five, six years ago? I mean, we were getting beat and drubbed. People were scoring 50 points on us. Yeah, or or last year they scored 63 three times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this team has made strides. There's no two ways about it. They're better than they were. They will be better next year. You're right. they got to recruit, but let's hope they can do something with these wins and a little upbeat. Uh, and I think they will, and, and they'll get transfers. But, good Lord, people need to enjoy being a little better. Because you got to walk before you run, you can, and they're making strides. I'm I'm pleased this year. I'm not I'm not upset with him, and I think Peters is better than a mediocre quarterback for God's sakes. Well, I don't I, know where some people get their ideas from. I think I think you're right. I think that Peters is a good quarterback. Uh, yeah. I think that he showed his running ability last week against Iowa. He had over 50 or 60 yards, as I recall. And he's completed a fair share of his passes. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but no. I also I've also been disappointed at times with the protection that he's gotten, particularly on third yeah. down. I mean, Illinois yeah, offense. He's not offen- Tony Eason yet. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, the offensive line isn't is should be better at the no. tackles. They, those guys well, have started. This is three years starting for Lowe and Palchewski, and and uh, yeah, they should be better. They're better run blockers. I don't I don't think they're as good at pass blockers as they ought to be, Lauren. Hey, Marty, thanks. Real quick, i got to squeeze yep. somebody in here. Dave gotcha. Bennett has joined us, the play-by-play voice. We've got Dave for about three or four minutes. Good to see you, David. Wait a minute. Hang on. We, we're lacking an engineer here. Now go ahead. Hello. There we are. Hey, Steve, Lauren, good to be with you. Sorry I was a little late. Coaches uh, were layering up in the Northwestern locker room, so we were a little bit delayed. How'd it feel down there on the field? Uh, you know what? The rain had just stopped when I came out, uh, right before I came up here. When I went down there about 40 minutes ago, it was pouring, as you know, but it seems to have lightened up a little bit. But the wind is howling. So I think uh, this is going to be a, a challenge today to hang on to the football. Give me the rundown on Northwestern quarterbacks this season. <laughs> Who, who's still- Wait, you only have three minutes, Lauren. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've played about 20 guys at the position. Uh, well, I mean, the guy you're going to see today, Andrew Marty, certainly looked good last week against Minnesota. That was the first game this season. Think about this that Northwestern did not turn the ball over really? for the game, which that's been a strength for them in past years, and it's been a, their pitfall this year from day one with Hunter Johnson, who started the season opener against Stanford, uh, and T.J. Green got hurt in that game. I think he probably would have been the guy. But Johnson's uh, available today, isn't he? Uh, I he, don't he think the, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna see him. He started last week. He got hurt. Uh, Marty's gonna play today. Okay, and uh, you know I think beyond that, I I think they're hoping Andrew Marty can last. Let's okay. put it that way. 
Well, what about the Northwestern defense? It's been defense has been pretty good, Steve, and I mean they've given them a chance. That's why I say I think if T.J. Green doesn't get hurt in that Stanford game and, and lost for the season. You know, this is a team which I, I'm not sure they, they would have won the Big Ten West again, but they would have at least been in kind of the middle of the pack there in the, in the division and because the defense is that has been that good. Uh, but, uh, you know, eventually when the offense can't do anything, the defense gets worn down. I think we've seen that happen late in the season. Got about a minute left. What yeah. kind of contest do you expect here? Well, I think you and I, we've all seen enough of these, and, <laughs> and Laura knows. Now, I, I don't think I mentioned ball security. Remember the 0-0 game oh, here, Lauren? I mean, that was, how many turnovers were there in that game? I, I don't know if we'll see that many today. But but I think that, uh, you know, these games last year when Northwestern had already clinched the Big Ten West, Illinois had a big fourth quarter, had a chance to win that game at Evanston. And, you know, I think that, uh, look, Northwestern's looking at this as their bowl game this year. So, I you know, I think they've, they've continued to play hard. Um, you know, do they just have enough left to to hang with Illinois will be the question. Yes, Dave, and I appreciate your hustle. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> Not as fast as I used to be. That's right. Have a good broadcast. Thanks, Dave Ennett with us, and our pregame coverage will continue with Fighting Illini Game Day. That takes care of Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Talk to you again in just a bit. Stay with us.